Hey guys, welcome to another episode of True Crimes and Weird Times. I'm Kim. I'm Ashley. And we wanted to start this episode off by letting you know that next week is Thanksgiving. Yay! For us Americans. Yeah. Not everybody who listens is in the U.S., which is so cool. I did the U.S. thing too. I did the American thing and thought we were the only people ever. Yeah, that's what we do. Sorry, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, rest of the world, for all of us, collectively. (laughs) You want to spend time with your families. We want to spend time with our families. Mm -hmm. So we're taking a week off. Yep. Uh, Look for us again the week after. Mm -hmm. We'll be back. You don't have to wait that long. To hear our wonderful, sultry voices. (laughs) (laughs) But this week, I am going to be telling you about... Joseph Edward Duncan III, a complete monster of a man who kidnapped two young children after murdering the rest of their family. And if you feel like part of your body is not supposed to be there, then this is the episode for you. I will be talking about body integrity identity disorder. I want to preface this with a disclaimer. When I decided to do Weird Times, the Weird Times part, I wanted to include psychology into the Weird Times, but I know that the internet is a fickle thing. No way. (laughs) And my disclaimer is, just because I include psychology, I am not saying that people are weird. Because the human race as a species is weird. All of us collectively. All of us. And we are all weird and fascinating creatures. And I want to just talk about it. So just don't take offense is what she means. That's it. All these words I said, just don't take offense. Mm -hmm. (laughs) On that note, let's talk about body integrity identity disorder. And I'm going to now shorten it to B-I-I-D. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> BIID is a psychological condition where healthy people believe that they are meant to be disabled. It comes in many forms. Some believe that their leg is not meant to be on their body or an arm. Um, some want to be blonde. Some believe they should be deaf. And they go to very extreme lengths to make this happen. So literally disabling themselves. Literally disabling themselves. Because it's not like they can go to a doctor and say, hey, can you take this leg off? Doesn't feel right. Yeah. I mean, probably not. So um, I've read stories about people laying out on uh, train tracks. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm, And just let them take off an arm or leg. Um, There was a man who shot himself in the leg. Hoping they would take it off? Well, we'll talk about that. That's one of my stories. Oh. And just, just, like I said, extreme lengths. To make this happen. Now, B-I... Now it's going to be B-double-I-D. B-double-I-D. That's way easier. Now, B-double-I-D was actually first mentioned in the 18th century. And it's mentioned as a case study. An Englishman traveled to France and had found a surgeon and asked him to amputate his leg. Just like I said, just hey. No reason? Just can you cut this leg off for me? Don't want this. Can you take it? Of course, the surgeon refused, and then... You know, first do no harm at all. Right, yeah, you know. I'd say removing a limb unnecessarily is harmful. (laughs) Yeah, well, 
Especially in the 18th century. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> then he pulled a gun on the surgeon and said, no, 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 no. You're going to take the leg off. Now I'm not asking. Chop me up or else. <laughs> like, what? No, no, no. Wait, now, he was very polite about it. He with asked, his gun? With his gun. He gave him a thank you note and gave him some money. Before he cut his leg off or like after? No, this is after he pulled a gun on him. <laughs> oh. No, no, here. You're going to do this, but thank you and here's some money. Well, at least he was compensated, so. <laughs> You're right. Should pay for the therapy. No, well, not in the 18th century. <laughs> yeah, no. Therapy wasn't a thing then. Uh, but the note explained that his leg was a, quote, invisible obstacle to his happiness. He literally was not happy with his leg on him at all. I mean, if you really could, like, pinpoint it like that, it'd be kind of handy. All my depression is coming from my left pinky. Let's just take it off. Just take it off. I don't need it. <laughs> well, what I want to know is how did it... And this is the weird Tom's part, guys. How did his brain say, dude, this ain't working for us? But that is the case study in a whole. And that's the first mention of this. Now, it took another hundred years for the condition itself to be discussed in a serious academic paper. Nobody took it seriously. I mean, and I kind of get it. How could you take that seriously? What do you mean you don't want your leg? It's helping you. What is wrong with you? Yeah. I and it is, it's probably more of a, this person's mentally ill rather than this is a specific disorder. Right. That's how I see it. And you know what they did to, quote, crazy people. Yeah. You, so, uh, you don't want to be called crazy in those days. Right. Ice pick through the eye socket. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. Now... While it was discussed in an academic paper, it was considered what is called paraphilia, which is basically a sexual fetish. Wanting to remove your limbs was? Yes. This this body disorder, yes. All of them now or just then? No, then. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, but here's the thing. If it was considered a fetish, why would you just want one part of your leg taken off? Like, why wouldn't you want the rest of your limbs taken off? Why wasn't this a continuous thing? Oh, like, if they're getting off on it, why are they only doing it once? I guess right. it's more the fact that you don't have it, maybe, than the actual removing of the limb. But, at the same time, this is, why well, I'm assuming, now the 19th century. Mm-hmm. So, we're still not up to advanced medical <laughs> sciences. Why would someone want to cut their leg off? Sex. Yep sex thing just leave it alone they just love it they just love it (laughs) okay and like i mentioned people go to extreme lengths there are tons of stories of people who are suffering from this disorder who are going to go through with taking off the part of their body they don't think is part of their body Uh, and of course like i said i'll have a few that i'll talk about but, for instance, there was a man who froze his leg off in dry ice. Froze it off? hmm oh. Well, actually, he froze it in dry ice so that it would be amputated. Wow. Yeah. Another man, he didn't have it amputated, but he does tight the bottom of his leg to his thigh so that he can feel like it's not there. So that works for him. So just strapping it, that sounds like way, way better yeah. of an option than dry icing <laughs> your leg off. Well, a man who wanted to be paraplegic, that's the, the man who uh, just laid out on a train track. Oh. I couldn't imagine 
one, the anticipation of waiting there for a train to come by and then it actually happening. That probably seems worse, but... But, like, I guess you would be excited if you had this disorder. If like, you're waiting so long for it to be I know, it's off. finally going to happen. It's finally going to happen. And it's not going to be, I'm about to be in excruciating pain from a train running over me. It, <laughs> I just saw a man laying on train tracks going, yay! Yeah. As it's rolling over his leg. But We did it! We did it! Uh, there's another woman who wants to be deaf. And she actually wears a hearing aid. To feel like she is deaf. So she puts one in and turns it way down, maybe? I don't even know if it's on. Oh, she just wears she it. Just so wears she just wears it. has it. Yeah. Oh. And then there's someone who uses a wheelchair who can perfectly walk, but she feels better in the chair. Hmm. Do they ever say what it is exactly that they like about it? Is it like the attention for it? Is well, it see, feeling special? Some of these, when I read them, it was like, you feel like... Okay, well, maybe they're doing it for the attention. But then there's some people who, like, the guy who shoots off his leg is, he feels better. His life is just better. Without a leg. Without a leg. I don't understand. Like, I've been on crutches several times. I have terrible knees. (laughs) And I hate only having, which, I mean, I guess I don't have the disorder, though. But I just can't imagine... Doing that all the time. Yeah. That Wanting being, to be that. I hate it. I yeah. hate it so much. But then. Not to say that people who have these. Who are unfortunate enough to. And that's part of the problem. People who, who have lost a leg. And wanted to keep that leg. You know what I mean? Uh huh. They're. I would say. I understand why they would be upset. Absolutely. Like. Like if, you have one. Yeah. Use it. Uh huh. But. Well, let's just hang on. Continuing. <laughs> you know, but what's the fascination? Like we said, is it somebody who's just wanting the sympathy, the attention, or the, for lack of a better word, perks of having a disability? It is not a perk, but. You know, in their catch mind. my draft here, yeah. Or is it just something more psychological? There is a researcher at the University of Zurich, Peter Brueger, who found that the right superior parietal lobe, which is the region of the brain that is believed to aid the construction of body maps, were thinner in those with BIID. He also believes that the disorder has a lot in common with phantom limb syndrome, which is something I wondered anyway, because think about it. If somebody is missing a hand, they still feel their hand there. Mm-hmm. But if this is just the opposite. Where they feel like it shouldn't be there. Right. That kind of makes sense. Yeah. And, of course, something else I found fascinating was that Brueger said that BIID patients can precisely point out where the part of their limb feels foreign. Like, they know exactly, like, say, okay, about three-fourths up my arm feels not like it should be there. Huh. And that spot stays the same every time they're asked. Like, they know exactly where it is on their body. Okay, so that's kind of making a little more sense to me now. Yeah. Yeah. With feeling like it doesn't belong on your body rather than, I want to be disabled. Yeah. Yeah, okay. that sounds more like, I don't want it there. hmm Now, this is leading researchers to believe that the condition could be neurological instead of psychological. Which means now, maybe it's not just a fetish, guys. No. <laughs> I know. So, now that we've got all the science out of the way, 
let's talk about some stories that I did find online about some BID sufferers. The first one is Mariah Serrano. She was born with a club foot, which is where the foot is underdeveloped. And it's typically twisted out of shape. Sometimes they have to walk on their ankles. It's just twisted sideways. Pretty painful. Lots of surgeries. Um, Braces sometimes help, but it just depends on the severity of the club foot. Now, unfortunately, Mariah's was a rare case. And it continued to just remain a problem her whole life. She had to limp on the side of her foot. She was bullied at school for it because, unfortunately, children are mean and... This is something that looks different. Yeah, they do that. Yeah. It sucks. She was quoted as saying, at school, kids mimicked my walk and called me peg leg. Which, what the hell, man? Who right? does that? Kids. They're <laughs> tiny psychopaths. They're awful. Uh, she also says, I played hockey and joined the cheerleading team. But eventually the pain became so bad and I was so embarrassed to wear my leg brace. I gave up school and was tutored at home. Aww, Isn't that awful? That poor baby. Um, she had had five surgeries by the time she was 16 and none of it was really helping. It was just kind of, it helped a little, but probably, I mean, she was still walking. It didn't fix it. It didn't fix it. Since one foot was smaller than the other, she had issues buying shoes for herself naturally. Yeah. Uh, she was wearing braces constantly. She ended up having to wear tennis shoes to her prom. She, she just really... Think about it. She's 16 years old, 16, 17 years old. She just wants to wear heels like her friends. She wants to wear pretty shoes. She wants to wear pretty shoes. She was really into fashion. She's really into fashion design. She wanted to wear heels. She continued to see specialists, doctors, but she wasn't getting very, very many options to help her club foot. However, in 2009, another specialist gave her an option she started to consider, which was amputation. Now, she didn't have to have it. But she's quoted as saying, my options were to persist with yet more operations and painful braces, which, of course, probably wouldn't have helped if they haven't so far. Yeah, and just more pain. And And yeah, just being in pain. Or I could have my leg cut off and replaced with a prosthetic. It seemed drastic, to say the least. She, she's not completely on board with this yet, but, you know, it's in the back of her mind. And the longer she waits and the longer she... Get some information about amputation. She's not liking what she sees. But she actually goes to a prosthetic store. She meets the lady that works there. She actually has prosthetics herself. She notices how beautiful the woman was. How confident she was. And she started to think, well, maybe this was something she could do. A month after her decision, Mariah finally had her leg amputated. She had some hiccups with her leg healing. It took about six months for her to heal and wear her own prosthetic. And by New Year's Eve, her mother gifted her her very first pair of heels. <laughs> she says that her prosthesis gave her so much more confidence, helped her to achieve the life she wanted, not the life the body she was born with limited her to. See, I don't. I don't really feel like that's a disorder. I feel like she had a medical condition and... She wanted it taken care of. Right. Like, that was her last option, but it was probably the best option. Not necessarily, I just want to cut off my completely healthy foot. Yeah. I mean, in that case, yes, it's healthy, but it it was probably painful. Clearly, she didn't feel confident with it. Mm Mm-hmm. 
it's something she was probably very self-conscious about. So can you blame her for wanting to take her foot off? Absolutely not. And now she gets to wear heels. Yeah, it, it kind of seems like the best case scenario, yeah. honestly, in this one. The next case is Jewel Shooping. Now, Jewel Shooping, at the age of six, she would stare at the sun for hours. Like directly into the sun. Like directly into the sun. This is because her mother told her that staring at the sun would ruin your eyes. At six years old? At six years old. So she's doing this deliberately. The disbelief is that she wanted to ruin her eyes at six. Not that her mother told her that at six. Right. I think I've told my kids that quit doing that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) By the time she was a teenager, she was already sporting thick, dark glasses. She started walking with a cane by the time she was 18. She mastered the art of reading Braille by 20. And this is the whole time she's able to see. Now, she called this something called blonde simming, which is basically pretending to be blonde while not being blonde. Like simulation. Like simulation. Like LARPing. (laughs) Uh, But being blonde. I mean, it sounds less fun to me. Yeah. You don't dress up for this one, I guess. I mean, you kind of do. (laughs) (laughs) Now, by 2006... You know, she's doing all this blonde simming. So clearly what it is, she wants to be blonde. She doesn't want to use her eyes. And of course, she's not going to go to a doctor and say, hey. Will you blind me, please? Need these gone. But she finally finds a psychologist who was willing to help her become blonde. No way. Yeah. (laughs) Now, here's what happens. She, I don't know if she talked the psychologist into doing it or the psychologist is like, you know what? Yeah, you've been seeing me for years. This seems pretty... Logical, let's just do it. But I can't imagine a doctor saying that. But uh, I mean, obviously, they're out there. No, this is a huge thing, too. The um, psychologist actually faced charges. I can't remember if he actually went to jail for it. But like, there's a lot of ethical issues. Well, yeah. With this story, naturally. Now, Joel was able to get a hold of these numbing eye drops in Canada. She went on a special trip up there. She got these eye drops. She brought them back. And the psychologist. For, I want to say it was months, would drop these eye drops in her eyes. Essentially, it's drain cleaner. She's using drain cleaner to drop into her eyes with this numbing medication. So she'd put the numbing drops in so it wouldn't hurt and then put drain cleaner in her eyeballs. Yes. And she would say that she would wake up the next day. And be like really bummed out that she could still see. Like it would hurt. She said it was it was very painful. She would go to bed thinking this is it. Now I'll be blonde. And she'd wake up the next day and it was starting to, her vision was starting to come back. And she'd be like super bummed out about it. I think I would rather just, you know, stab him with something. <laughs> or, I don't know. I just, mean, if you're going to go through all that trouble, just make it quick. Yeah, for six months, no. Yeah. Her left eye finally suffered a corneal meltdown, which is basically the eye collapsing in on itself. Oh, God. That sounds awful. Yeah, I don't want to think about that anymore. <laughs> and it was removed. Her right eye ended up with glaucoma, cataracts, and like tons of webbing scars. But I think essentially it's still, I think she still has that eye. But it does. She probably can't really see out of it. She can't see out of it. She is blonde now. Wow. For someone. Okay, well, let me say this. She originally told her family that this was due to an accident. Something happened and I lost my eyesight. But I wonder She's literally staring up at the sun when she's six years old. Did she think they would believe her? I don't know if I would. You know how I've always wanted to be blind? It just happened by coincidence. Wow. It's so weird. 
Don't know what happened. Actually, yeah. I know what happened. I'm not going <laughs> to tell you, though. It was an accident. But apparently when they did find out what really happened, the drain cleaner, her mother and her sister cut ties with her. And I feel like that's a little extreme personally, but I mean, I don't know them. I don't know her. I don't yeah, know what they were going through. Yeah, who knows their dynamic. Through. Yeah. But still, I mean, maybe it was just the fact that, why would you do that to yourself? I don't know. Who knows what happened? But according to a website I found, barcroft.tv, Joel, who is actually studying for a degree in education, now says that she has no regrets and she dreams of helping other blind people live an independent life. Uh, personally, <laughs> if I were blind, not by choice. Yeah. I wouldn't want someone who intentionally blinded themselves to teach me that's, how to make the most of it. Yeah. That's the last person I would think. Yeah. I would want helping me. But she also, she talks about the her suffering with BIID. And she tries to be an advocate for that too. Which I can see more. Yeah, that helps. And I wonder if she's gotten more psychological help since then from a psychologist a <laughs> who's not going to help her blind herself and actually help her get better. A different psychologist. Yeah, I would hope so. But either way, she seems way happier without the use of her eyes. Well, I mean, that's kind of a happy ending then. <laughs> well, if we're looking at it that way, these are all essentially happy endings. Great. <laughs> The last person we're going to talk about is George Boyer. He spent his childhood suffering from BIID. He was quoted in a newspaper at one time saying, I've wanted to be one-legged since I was a child. No one can help this overwhelming and irrational wish that I've experienced with varying degrees for as long as I can remember. So, I mean, he literally, again, like Jules Shooping, had this feeling. He just, it, he wanted it gone. And he spent his entire childhood like that. That's insane. I can't imagine living your life like that. Well, and the thing about it, too, is, I mean, you go through your regular day-to-day. It's not like you can tell anybody. Right. Man, like, I really hate this leg. It's got to be miserable and depressing. Yeah. And, oh, man. That really sucks. Yeah, he suffered for years with this disorder. He felt like his left leg was just a foreign part of his body. It wasn't meant to be there. He didn't want it there. Then finally, he had an idea. One day in 1992, Boyer went outside at his backyard with a shotgun. Shotgun would not be my weapon of choice. No. But also, I can't really think of a better weapon. I mean, I wouldn't want to hack it off with a machete or anything. I don't know. I'm going with the train tracks. If I'm gonna... <laughs> well, yeah, that's faster. <laughs> now, he had all of this planned out. And the plan was supposed to be perfect. He had already tied a tourniquet around his leg. He studied where to aim to avoid the most pain, which I don't know where you would aim to avoid the most pain. I, mm. Where does it hurt the least to shotgun my leg? <laughs> no, no, nowhere. None where. <laughs> <laughs> None places. He'd even practiced shooting. He practiced his shot many times. He used a pork shoulder as targets. Wow. That's some he's, serious planning. He's planned this out for a long time. He even brought his cordless phone out to call 911 after it was done. Well, the plan wasn't that perfect because after steadying his aim, gritting his teeth, and firing a huge old shotgun shot through his leg, he forgot that the cordless phone doesn't pick up outside. Oh, no. So he's in his backyard just bleeding out. Fortunately for him, his landlady, I guess she came by, hey, where's the rent? Or, hey, you need your... Air conditioner fixed? I don't know. Why. Or hey, what was that shotgun sound? Oh, that's probably it. <laughs> <laughs> she 
she found him bleeding out in the backyard and he was almost dead and she called the paramedics. He spent days in the hospital. He was begging doctors and surgeons just take it off. Just take the leg off. Even though they tried to reconstruct his leg. And according to what I read, it was something that could be fixed. Like it wasn't beyond repair. It was... Yeah, but the thing is, he probably would have had problems with it. Let's think about it. Yeah. There's a shotgun. It shot shattered. Yeah, it shattered. But finally, after all of this, they, for some reason, were forced to finally amputate. And George Boyer got his wish of having his leg taken off. He is reportedly very happy and is quoted as saying, my only regret is that it didn't happen sooner. Wow. Those wow. Are just, those are just three stories. If you look online, you can find way more than that. But I couldn't imagine. I know. I, I don't imagine. have a lot of commentary. I'm just kind of blown away. Yeah. It's just, it's a strange, it's just a strange thought because most of us don't sit there and think about a limb needing to be taken off. Usually we're taking it for granted. Yeah. I'm so, I'm both physically and emotionally attached to all the parts of my body. Me too. Yeah. Me too. Even when they're hurting. Me too. Yeah. I'd rather keep them and hurt a little bit, but then I guess I don't have the BIID, so yeah. I can't know what it feels like. Right. Although I feel like there are better options than cutting off limbs. <laughs> well, yeah. But, I mean, maybe not. And and really, what? who's it hurting besides themselves? I guess, but... I don't know. That's it's, a lot of that's a lot of work. With those stories, I kind of wanted to bring up to some discussion points. One of them's a little out there, so get ready for this. Because this is the weird time segment, people. This is what we're here for. Yep, weird stuff. <laughs> could, could it be that they had lost an arm or a leg or an eye or their hearing in a past life, and they just kind of feel lost with that arm here now? Um, they feel incomplete. They feel incomplete. They feel too complete. Too complete. Yeah. The opposite. <laughs> or maybe they had meant to lose an arm or a leg and they're in some alternate reality now where they didn't u- lose that arm or leg. And this is their body trying to <laughs> trying to compensate for that. Probably that one. That one. Yeah. Okay. I knew it. I knew it wasn't crazy. I knew it. The other discussion point, and this is probably a little bit more logical is that do you think that these doctors should uh be able to perform these surgeries by request do you think it's ethical do you think it's unethical i mean these are perfectly healthy people otherwise should they be able to should the person be able to have say in whether they want something cut off of their body i mean it's technically technically very very loosely (laughs) body modification yeah yeah if you look at it that way you're wrong. But I feel like you would need special, a, a very special type of doctor to do it. Because you can't expect, I mean, it goes against their oath. Mm-hmm. Well, think about euthanasia. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's places, what, Oregon, Washington, mm-hmm. that th- th- they can do that. Yeah. So why not? But do you think that they should have maybe some some therapy to go along with yeah, that Yeah, like it some happens? extensive year, two year long therapy sessions, like try every other option first, maybe. Yeah. Because this is a big, you can't put your leg back on in two years if you regret it. This is pretty permanent. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's prosthesis and you're not getting your eyes back though, for sure. Mm Mm-hmm. So, but. I don't know. It's a tough one. That is a tough one. But I would love to know your thoughts. Yeah, me too. Tell us. Facebook, Instagram, write us an email. I'd love to know. 
Joseph Edward Duncan III. That's also a mouthful. It is. <laughs> We're on those today. Was born February 25th, 1963 in Tacoma, Washington. Now, Joseph's violent crime started at a very young age. At just 15 years old in 1978, he raped a nine-year-old boy at gunpoint. Oh, my God. He was arrested for this, but apparently it didn't warrant any jail time or very little jail time. It was hard to find any information on that specific instance. Uh Uh-huh. But maybe it was because the gun wasn't actually loaded. He just pointed it. So what? He raped a kid. At gunpoint, unloaded or not. Right. But, you know, he a year later, he was arrested for driving a stolen car. Nice. So he clearly was not in jail. So after he was arrested for driving the stolen car, he was sent to Dislin's Boys Ranch mm-hmm. as like a juvenile detention okay. thing. Because, you know, s- stealing automobiles warrants that, but raping a but child not. doesn't. While he was at this juvenile detention center place, the ranch, mm-hmm. he was assigned a therapist. And he apparently told this therapist that he estimated his rape victim count at this point in life, at 16 years old, uh-huh. to be already at 13. Oh, my God. So, 16 years old, he's already raped or sexually assaulted 13 kids. Jeez. And he was only at this ranch for a few months. So, now he's raped a kid at gunpoint, stolen a car, did a few months in juvie. Let him okay. go again. Well, everybody knows my thoughts on the judicial system. But, oh, my God. Right? Oh, it gets, <laughs> it just keeps on going. Great, good. Now, in 1980, which was a few years later, mm-hmm. he stole some guns from one of his neighbors and again abducted and raped another boy at gunpoint. This time it was a 14-year-old. Now, this time Joseph was actually sentenced to 20 years in prison. Oh, okay. Just 20 years. Got it. But was released on parole after just 14. Oh, forget about it. Okay. Then in 1997, he was returned to prison after violating his parole, but again is released in July 14th of 2000. Just three years later. Just three years later. Well, this is based on a parole violation. Yeah, it's not that much, but considering what he was on parole for. Right. So three more years, then he's out again in 2000. In March of 2005... He's arrested for groping a seven-year-old boy at a playground. Oh, come on. And attempting to grope the little boy's friend as well. He's arrested for this, like I said, and bail was set at $15,000. Uh-huh. So he actually met an acquaintance who was a businessman, had the money, came and bailed him out of jail. He promised, he promised to pay him back later. Who just gives a friend $15,000? To get him out of jail for groping a child. Uh, yeah, that's not a great decision on this guy's part. <laughs> well, not only that. Okay, so in 26 years, this guy has a history of just touching little boys anyway. What is going on? That this guy would bail him out of jail? Well, just why are they not doing more to him? I don't know. I don't know why this guy is just getting off scot. Well, not scot free. I mean, he went to jail for fourteen years for one of them. But, but still, this is a history. Now he has a history. Yep, and that's only the ones we know yeah. about. Like this guy should have like a at least a what a hundred feet restraining order or something. He went from two thousand to two thousand five without being caught or arrested. Yeah, that's. You gotta know he did not take five years off from being a pedophile. Right. So, 
he's bailed out of jail. He's out on bond. And he immediately decides, oh, I'm not going back to jail. Mm-hmm. So he goes and rents a big red Jeep Cherokee. Uh-huh. And he gets a camcorder. He gets some night vision goggles. Uh-huh. And he takes off. Yeah, he he went the opposite direction of what I thought. I'm not going to jail again. I'm just not going to do it anymore. <laughs> no, that's not no. what he's doing. He's, no. So he gets all this stuff together and he basically kind of goes hunting. Oh, hunting. Mm-hmm. Sure. What's he hunting, Kim? Children. Oh, great. And he eventually spots some mm-hmm. and starts planning this out. And on May 16th, 2005, Police discover the bodies of Brenda Grone, her boyfriend Mark McKenzie, and Brenda's 13-year-old son Slade in Lake Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Ugh. The family had been tied up with zip ties and bludgeoned to death. Oh, my God. And to make matters worse, Brenda's 9-year-old son Dylan and 8-year-old daughter Shasta were missing. Oh, God. Joseph Duncan had broken into the home with a gun tied up all three of his victims, then put Dylan and Shasta into the back of his red Jeep Cherokee and tied them up that he bound their hands and feet. After this, he went back inside the home and killed the rest of the family with a hammer. Oh, my God. I mean, the very least, the kids didn't have to watch Yeah, that's what I was thinking, but still. Police obviously immediately put out an Amber Alert, They get pictures out of the kids everywhere. They put them on billboards. They're on the news. They're on anywhere you can find them. Mm -hmm. And they do have a few sightings. They have someone at a truck stop that saw the kids that thought it was them. Mm -hmm. They have someone from a convenience store say that they saw Shasta with a man. Oh, yeah. And they do go back and review the footage. And you can see her walking up and down the aisles of this convenience store while Joseph just stands and reads a newspaper. I think I remember that. I don't. I didn't know who the names were. I think I remember that video. Mm-hmm. So she's just walking around inside while he reads a newspaper. And the people at the convenience store didn't call police right away while she was there because mm-hmm. she didn't seem distressed or upset or afraid. Huh. So they thought they were mistaken yeah. in who it was. But either way, if you see a child and you think it's a missing child, just do it. I don't care how happy they are. I don't care if you piss off the parents. Just call the just police. Call. What's yeah. it going to hurt? It's going to take up a few minutes of their time. If you're wrong and if you're right, you could save someone's yeah. life. And think about it this way. They're not going to know who called. Just do it. Mm-hmm. Then on July 2nd, 2005, seven weeks oh my God. after these kids disappeared, at a Denny's in Coeur d'Alene, so he didn't even go far. Well, the convenience store footage was from 40 miles away from Coeur d'Alene. Huh. So he's back yeah. in Coeur d'Alene. And okay. I'm going to get to why he's back in a okay. few minutes. Okay. So at this Denny's, several employees and customers. So there's a couple of customers outside that were like, hey, we just saw that kid on a billboard. Mm-hmm. That's her. Yeah. And so they go inside and get some of the employees and they find a waitress, a manager. And they're like, hey. We think that's the missing kid. And the employees were like, oh, we thought so, too. We agree with you. Let's call the police. Get on them. So they kind of work together to make sure this guy doesn't leave. Yeah. And police get there. And it's Shasta. Yeah. With Joseph Duncan. So they take her to the hospital. And they take Joseph to jail. Mm -hmm. Thank God, finally. Yeah. 
And then they start interviewing Shasta because Dylan's not there. That was my question. It's just Shasta. Mm-hmm. I don't like the look on your face, Kim. It's not a good one. Shasta was taken to the hospital. She was found to be fairly healthy. I mean, she didn't have any malnutrition issues. She wasn't dehydrated. She, you know, was okay. And they start asking her, what happened? Where did you go? Where's your brother? How do you find him? And the first thing they focus on is finding Dylan rather than where have they been this whole time. And Shasta tells them that she was on one side of the red jeep mm-hmm. and she heard a bang and she goes running around and finds dylan laying on the ground in pain and he had been shot in the stomach with a shotgun mm-hmm. now joseph claims that he was digging in a tote in the back of the jeep okay. and the shotgun he had been using was in there and it went off accidentally mm-hmm. and it shot dylan in the stomach mm-hmm. he claims it was an accident Shasta even says he's crying and saying, oh, my God, what have I done? Except since he's already shot him in the stomach, he takes the shotgun out and shoots him in the head. Oh. To, quote, put him out of his misery. Oh, my God. Okay. I know, because taking him to a hospital wouldn't have worked either. Like, But, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. He then wrapped Dylan's body in a tarp and burned it. Oh. God. Once Shasta told the police this story and described where they had been and what they were doing, mm-hmm. they did go out and they found his remains. He was where she said he was. I even read one source that said they took Shasta out to the woods to this campsite mm-hmm. and had her mark with rocks and stuff where the Jeep was, where she was, where Dylan oh, wow. was. So they could set it up and know exactly what happened. Yeah. Now, during the seven weeks that they were being held captive. Joseph beat them. He sexually assaulted them. He would stay at campsites out in the woods. They would drive long distances. She doesn't know where they were going. But like I said, they did spot her at that convenience store 40 miles outside of town. He would threaten them. He would show them the hammer he used to kill their family. I wondered if he told them. Oh, yeah, he told them. He would show them the hammer and say, this is what I used to, to kill your family with. That's so disgusting. He would tie them to trees. He would hit them with sticks. What? Just like these terrible things that I cannot even fathom and imagine a child having to go through. Yeah. Like, that's all the detail I'm going to get into. Yeah, 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 That's it. That's all I can talk about. <sighs> but according to Shasta, Joseph wasn't always being abusive. Sometimes he was quote unquote nice. Mm, yeah. But he had that video camera I mentioned earlier, and police find footage of the kids just, like, playing by a creek near one of the campsites. Like, just being kids. That's so strange. After the death of Dylan, Joseph eventually tells Shasta that he has to kill her or he's going to get caught. And he asks her, do you want me to shoot you or do you want me to strangle you? Oh, my God. And how old is she? she? Is she nine? She's eight. Eight. God, you could imagine. And Shasta says, I would rather you strangle me. So Joseph starts <sighs> to try and kill her. He wraps a rope around her neck. And when he starts, she starts screaming and begging, please don't kill me. Please don't kill me. And begging oh. him not to. Well, he stops. And he can't do it. Mm-hmm. And he tells her that she has taught him how to love. What? 
Yeah, it's disgusting. He decides to take her back home to her dad. Because remember, it was her mom's boyfriend. Yeah. Well, fiance. Yeah. It's the mom's fiance that he killed, not her father. So he decides to take her back home. He's going to let her live. And this is why he was back in town at the Denny's for breakfast. He was taking her back home. Not that that's, you know, a nice thing, but he didn't kill her. Yeah. But that's so strange. See, that's the psychological stuff that's so strange to me. Mm -hmm. Because he felt like he had fallen in love with this child. I don't want to talk about what kind of fallen in love he did. But he couldn't kill her. After his arrest, police began to tie Joseph to other child abduction cases. Of course. On April 4th, 1997, in Beaumont, California, 10-year-old Anthony Michael Martinez was abducted at knife point. His body was later discovered nude and bound with duct tape. He'd been sexually assaulted. And this duct tape had one fingerprint on it, and it belonged to Joseph Duncan. Wow. So this was in 97. This was during one of those times when he was out of jail on parole and he abducted, raped, and murdered a 10-year-old boy. So you know, any of these gaps probably have more kids. Oh, absolutely. He also confessed to beating 11-year-old Semejo White and her half-sister, 9-year-old Carmen Cubias, to death in 1996 in Bothell, Washington. Police and myself and probably else uh, every yeah. and probably everyone else in the world <laughs> believe he was responsible for way more than that even. Yeah. And we may even never know how many kids he hurt or killed or raped because he moved around all the time. Yeah. I mean he, he never stayed in one spot. He didn't stay in Tacoma, Washington his whole life. And that was probably on purpose. Oh yeah. And he was out of jail for years and years yeah. at a time. Joseph proceeds to be taken to trial in several states, wherever Mm -hmm. he committed the crime. He goes to trial on a federal level. There's a whole lot of legal mumbo-jumbo that I'm going to skip through. But (laughs) by the end of it, he is given three death sentences and five total life sentences. It shouldn't have even gotten this far, though. Oh, God, no. I don't understand how he didn't go to prison for a very long time for raping a child at gunpoint. Yeah. The first time. The first time. But I couldn't actually find a whole lot of information about that. So there may be more to it. I don't know. Maybe yeah. he was arrested and not charged. Maybe there wasn't enough to go on. I mean. It's very possible. But, but still, even after. Even after the third time. Yeah. I mean, there's history. Oh, I'm just frustrated. Sorry. Oh, I get so frustrated doing these true crimes. <laughs> Sometimes it's like. The police really could have done something to stop this guy. Or not even just the police. The judicial system as a whole could have done something to stop this guy. And they just don't. (sighs) Now, here's some really interesting slash disturbing facts about this guy. Good. Prior to his arrest for murder, Joseph maintained a personal website called The Fifth Nail, which was named because... According to legend, in addition to the four nails they used to pierce the body of Jesus Christ in his crucifixion, uh-huh. there was a fifth nail that was taken away and hidden by the Romans. Huh. I've never heard that one. I hadn't either. Okay. But apparently Joseph had. 
Then yeah. he adopted that name for his own website and blog. That's kind of gross. And he called it The Fifth Nail. Mm-hmm. And he would just write about his day-to-day life as a sex offender. Okay, good. Okay. And in this blog, he denied being a pedophile. Okay. He says he wasn't a pedophile. He was just, this is just how he is. He's just, he loves children. Mm-hmm. And he claims to have been sexually abused as a child, which mm-hmm. would make sense, yeah. I guess. But anyway, that's what he ran that website before he went to jail. Okay. Since he's been in jail, mm-hmm. he still has a blog. Ugh, gross. That he updates fairly regularly. Now, they're not allowed to have these blogs and internet connections in the prisons, obviously. Right. So what he does is he has a ghost blogger Mm. where he's sending letters out to this person who calls themselves silenced. Mm -hmm. So he's sending letters to this person and this person is updating this blog every couple of weeks, every couple of months, and you can go read it. And he's just talking about his life and his victims, rants about society he mm-hmm. claims to have hurt a lot more kids than what the judicial system knows about, oh. or at least what they can charge him with. Color me shocked. And, I mean, it's called The Fifth Nail Exposed Confessions. Gross. At the top of the blog, there's a subheading, and it says, The history of our world is infinitely more important to the understanding of why I did what I did than my personal history will ever be. That being said... I present here as much of my past as I honestly can to be taken in proper context so that perhaps we might someday be able to stop repeating our histories together. What? He claims that a lot of his crimes were to get back at society. Yes, that's what I want to do. Right. Society is awful. Let me rape this child. What? What? I just... (sighs) This guy's a monster. I Joseph, don't really want, yeah, I don't really want to link his blog because I don't want him to get more people Attention. following it and reading or it. thinking it's okay. It's not a crew. Right. So it's out there. If you want to look it up yourself, look it up yourself. I don't personally want to give him any more attention than yeah. he already has for it. So. Ugh. Joseph uh. Duncan, guys. Thanks, Kim. You're welcome. Sorry to ruin your whole I'm day. Say, I'm glad you brought us down this time and it's not me (laughs) thanks for listening like us on facebook at true crimes and weird times podcast follow us on instagram at true crimes weird times email us your stories at true crimes weird times at gmail.com and if you enjoyed the show make sure to subscribe and leave a review bye